Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, City of Refuge. Uh, my name is Brandon Freemian, and I'm on staff here at the church. Uh, Happy New Year to everybody. I appreciate you braving the cold this morning to come out for worship. So today we are starting a new series called Servant King. And in this series, we are going to be going through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be starting today and ending the Sunday after Easter. And this Sunday is also when we're going to begin the exploration of our theme for the year, which is, as Johnny mentioned earlier, that we would serve with joy in our place of calling and giftedness. And we're starting in the Gospel of Mark for two reasons. One, because we think it's important that we know who we're serving. And second, because we want to look to Jesus to show us an example of how we should serve. So we're going to be going through the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be going at a relatively quick pace, probably about a chapter a week. And because of that, preachers are going to have to be focusing on different sections of those chapters and probably won't be preaching on everything that is there is to preach on in Mark. And for that reason, we wanted to provide the opportunity for you all to study Mark in more depth on your own. And so we have a reading plan through the Gospel of Mark that will basically go with the sermons. So if you're interested in reading through the Gospel of Mark over the course of the next three months, uh, there is a reading plan. There's a printed copy of it uh, on the table in the back. And there is also a digital version that you can get out on My Church Suite. Down in the links, you'll see the Mark reading plan. So I hope you will take advantage of that. Incidentally, also, while you're back there picking up your uh, reading plan, there's a couple of items left over from Advent that people left here. Uh, I see a stuffed duck back there and a couple water bottles. So uh, while you're picking that up, you might check and see if anything that belongs to you is back there. So today we are going to be looking at the first half of Mark 1, and I'd like to begin by reading what is going to be the focus of our study today, which is going to be in verses 14 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother who were in their boats mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So as a little bit of an introduction to the gospel as a whole, the name Mark comes from John Mark, who uh, early church fathers tell us was the author of this gospel. Uh, John Mark, you can read about in Acts 12 and Acts 15. He was a companion of Paul and Barnabas uh, during some of their journeys. And early church testimony also points that the source of this gospel was the witness of Peter. So the idea being that 
Peter communicated to John Mark what he had witnessed in the life of Jesus, and it was recorded by Mark for our benefit. Now, each of the Gospels, the four Gospels, bears distinctions and has different focuses, different tones, and uh, Mark is the most succinct. It is the He's very direct in his storytelling, very quick in his pace. You're going to notice a word shows up a lot, which is immediately. It actually came up a couple of times in this. Immediately this happened, and then immediately that happened. That's very characteristic of Mark. Um, It is very much to the point and a lot of emphasis on who Jesus is and trying to make that very directly and quickly in the ways that it tells its stories. And one of the ways that you can see that directness is that Mark does not have any story about the birth of Jesus. There is no Christmas story in the Gospel of Mark. Mark jumps in right near the beginning of Jesus' ministry with the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, in the passage we just read, we get what is the core of Jesus' preaching message while he's on earth. It's something to just mark in your mind And come back to, because a lot of what Jesus is going to say and do is going to come back to this central message that he preaches. And it's in verse 14 and 15. It says that now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So there's sort of two calls to action here that Jesus gives. The first is the call to repentance. And the second is to believe in the gospel, to believe in the good news. So I want to look at these two separately. Let's start with the call to repentance, because that actually echoes what we had seen John the Baptist talk about earlier in the chapter. So in verses 1 through 8, we get John the Baptist's ministry. And I'd like to read a section of this, which gets at what John was preaching. So listen to this. John appeared, this is verse 4, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie." I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So again, John the Baptist's message is twofold. First, he calls people to repentance, and he calls people to a baptism of repentance. We see that people were coming from the nearby villages, and they'd come out into the wilderness, right, to see this guy who had to have been quite a sight, dressed in camel's hair and with this leather belt, eating locusts and honey, not the diet I would pick, But they're coming out to him. And they're coming out to him because they are feeling convicted that they have sinned. That they recognize that there is ways that they have turned away from God. And they're coming out. They're they're confessing. They're repenting. And and what repentance means, just a, a, a brief recap, something we've talked about previously. right? That repentance is, yes, about confessing, saying, I've done something wrong. I've done something that is not in alignment with God's will. But it's more than that. Repentance literally means to turn around. It's the sense of doing a 180. It's not just, hey, I recognize I've done something wrong. It's that, okay, I'm now turning around and I'm walking the other direction. 
And here, in the ministry of John, we see people repenting and then being baptized. This, this symbol of them being cleansed, the symbol of them entering into a new life. That's the first part of his message. But there's a second part, right? He is also preaching that someone else is coming. And this is really significant because, again, he's giving off, we don't necessarily catch it here because unless we've been really immersed in the Old Testament, John is giving off some really big prophet vibes. Like having some guy out in the desert dressed as he is harkens back to Old Testament prophets and one in particular harkens back to Elijah. And people would have been picking up on this. And so for him to come sort of dressing like and acting like the prophet Elijah, but his message is, I'm not the big deal. I am not the one that you should be looking for. There's someone else coming. There's someone else coming, and he is such a big deal, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. I am not worthy to take on the task that the lowliest servant would have to serve this person. And when he shows up, he's not just going to be baptizing you with water. He is going to bring the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the central part of John's message is not the repentance, but that someone else is coming. And I think this is really significant because it teaches us something about the nature of repentance. That repentance is about preparation. All of what John was doing is under this heading of what the prophet Isaiah had said he was going to do. This is in verse 2 and 3. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John's ministry was one of preparation, of getting people ready for Jesus to show up. Now, what that means, the second thing that implies is that repentance is not the end goal. That repentance is not the end goal of our spiritual life. Now, that may seem really obvious, but it's also really important because it gets at the very nature of what God is after and it gets at the very nature of what Jesus came to do. Because if what God is after is that we be good moral people, that we be faithful to our friends, rigorous in our rule following, and generous in our giving. If that's what Jesus is after, then a message of repentance is sufficient. Just stop sinning. Just be moral. Now, we know that's not as easy as it sounds. But nonetheless, the call to repentance is essentially that. It's calling us to be moral people, to be good people. And if that is the case, then the only demands on being a Christian are that we don't break any of the rules. And it would be very easy in that case to think that God's care and love for us becomes dependent on how good or bad we happen to be that day. As if God was some sort of Santa Claus in the sky that we're trying very hard to not be on his naughty list. And if all God wants is for us to be a moral people, then the church is not much more than a support group. 
Now, I'm hoping all of that sounds relatively silly to you, but I do run across people often who seem to believe that that's fundamentally what being a Christian is about, is being a good, moral person. And perhaps even more subtly, I have also seen a temptation for Christians to have repentance become the primary way that we experience God. Because I think when we have that sense of conviction, it's not necessarily pleasant, but in those moments, God kind of feels closer. God feels very real. And and very often in response to that, we have this this time of increased earnestness in our prayer. We have this time of, of increased feeling our need for God. And that is a good thing. But that can also be a little bit of addictive if that's what we think our experience of God is supposed to be. And it can cause us to miss that repentance, our repentance is supposed to be just the preparation and not actually the primary substance of how we're supposed to experience God. So then, what is that other thing? What is that primary experience supposed to be? Well, it's interesting, both in John's message and Jesus' message, there is a more component, right? For John, John's message was not just be better people. John's message was get ready because someone bigger's coming. And when that someone bigger came, when Jesus come, what does he say? Repent, yes, but why? Because the kingdom is at hand. John's message was not be better people. It was someone's coming. Jesus's message was repent because the kingdom is at hand. God is establishing his kingdom and he's doing it by sending the king. He's sending King Jesus. That is the good news. The good news that the king has come. This is at the center that the king has come and God is establishing his kingdom, not the repentance. And I think we see that in the way that Jesus calls the disciples. In the next section that we read, you see Jesus go to Galilee. And he goes and he makes this call to some fishermen. And it's interesting that the call to them is not, you guys need to repent. Now, that's not to say that the disciples were perfect. Far from it. In fact, as we go through the rest of Mark, you're going to get to see just how very not perfect the disciples are. I would say of almost all the Gospels, Mark is the one where the portrayal of the disciples is probably the least flattering. They are going to spend a good deal of their time not understanding at all what's going on and getting Jesus wrong. So these guys are not perfect. But I think that Mark has shown us this call to follow because it shows something about Jesus' authority. What does Jesus say? He says, follow me, and what do they do? It says, immediately, there's that word again, immediately, they get up and they follow. They leave their nets, they leave their father, and they follow Jesus. Now, we know from some of the other gospels that, yes, there was somewhat more elaborate interactions with some of the disciples, but I think Mark here shows us what was fundamentally happening there. Jesus called, the disciples answered. That is a man acting with the authority of a king. He calls, they respond. He says, follow, and they follow. 
So one of the questions we're going to have to answer from this gospel, Mark is already setting up, the kingdom is coming, the king is here, he is acting like a king. The question is, what kind of king is he? And we're going to find out that he's a servant king, that he's a king who came not to be served, but to serve. And more than that, he's a king who came not only to serve, but to save. Because it turns out that things are a lot more dire for them and a lot more dire for us. And that just a call to repentance is not sufficient for what we need. Right? It turns out that we need a rescuing, that we need a rescuing from our own sin nature, that we need a rescuing from the dark powers of this world, that we need someone who can carry the penalty for our sin, that we need someone who can carry power over sin and bring that into our lives. And that is the kind of king that Jesus is. That is the kind of king that we needed. So putting together these two messages, the messages of John and the message of Jesus, the first thing we see that repentance is an important act of preparation. And that makes sense, right? Because if you are going to follow Jesus, you first have to stop running away from him. I don't know if you've ever tried following something and running away from it at the same time. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work. You can't do it. And that's what repentance in some ways is. It's that we have been running away from Jesus. We are doing these things that are not pleasing to God, that are not submitting to him as our king, and we are running away as fast as we can. And repentance is stopping and saying, no, now I'm going to follow. It is the preparation for the following of Jesus because we're no longer running away. But in the end, that is a work of preparation. And it's preparing us for the much larger experience that we are supposed to have of then following Jesus, just as the disciples were called to follow. Because what God is after isn't us being good moral people. What God is after is the establishing of his kingdom under the authority of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case then the demands of being a Christian are not just to be good moral people. It is to be following Jesus and following the call of King Jesus in absolutely every aspect of our lives. And our spiritual life is not about sin management. Our spiritual life is instead about fostering a relationship with the king who has rescued us and now called us into his service. And the church is not a support group trying to help us not sin, but it is the citizenship of this new kingdom that are now serving as ambassadors in a dark and needy world that's still running away from him. That is a high and holy calling. And it includes with it a call to follow Jesus in the serving of others. Just as he came to serve, so too now does he call us to follow him as he continues to serve and to seek to save this world. Now, I wanted to emphasize this for a reason. Because this year, you are going to hear a whole lot about the idea of service. Right? It's our theme for the year, serving 
with joy in your place of calling and giftedness. We're going to be talking a lot about service. And there's a way right off the bat that that could get twisted. Because what I could imagine you hear me saying with that is that what we're looking for is for you to find a volunteer opportunity here at City of Refuge Church where you can serve. And that's what this is about. And I want to be clear that that's what, not what this is about. Yes, some of you are going to be called into places of service here at the church. Many of you already have been as elders and deacons and teachers and community group leaders and children's ministry leaders and worship leaders and all of that. And thank God that he does call in those roles because we need that as a body. But when we are talking about the idea of serving in your place of calling and giftedness, what we are talking about is following the leading of King Jesus into the places he is calling you to serve. And that could look like a whole lot of things that happen way outside the walls of this church. That could mean following Jesus into a new career. Maybe you have been hearing the prompting of God that it's time to change because he is opening up new opportunities to serve in a different career. And you need the courage to follow him into that. Maybe following Jesus looks like staying in a career that maybe is just really, really hard right now because Jesus says stay and because there's opportunity to serve where you are. Following Jesus might mean pursuing marriage. Following Jesus might mean remaining single. Following Jesus might mean looking for ways to care for the poor and the widow and the orphans and the imprisoned and the marginalized because that's exactly what Jesus did while he was here and he's calling you to find those places in your life. Finding Jesus might mean going to a different country because he's calling you to serve those people and to be a witness to those people. Following Jesus might mean going next door and serving and witnessing to your neighbors. All of that is within scope. And what we are hoping that you will do this year is to seek Jesus for how he is leading you to serve. That is what we mean when we say serving with joy in your place of calling and giftlessness is not about volunteer opportunities. It's about following the leading of King Jesus in your life wherever that may take you. So from that, I want to invite you into two things in the coming week. The first is this aspect of repentance. Recognizing that if we are going to be prepared to follow Jesus in 2022, if there is anywhere in our life where we are running away, then now is the time for us to stop and to turn around. And so I want to invite you this week to be pursuing God in prayer about if there are any places in your life where you are running from Jesus. The second part of it, is where is Jesus calling you to follow him in 2022? What is that place of service? Now, Johnny mentioned earlier that we are going to be having solemn assembly tomorrow night from 7 to 8 p.m. And these two things are going to be the focus of that time. We are going to gather as a church and pray together 
both that God would surface these areas of repentance in our life and also that he would guide us and show us where we are to serve in the coming year. And if you are available, I would love for you to come and join us in the midst of that because it's important that we as a body come together and pray and to seek God's face for how he would call us to serve. But if you can't, then I would invite you to take these two things into your own prayer times, into your own quiet times this week and seek the Lord's face. How do we need to repent? And where is he calling us to follow him in 2022? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news that the king has come. Let's pray together and then we will go into our time of communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, you sent your Son. You sent our King because we desperately needed him. And you loved us enough that though we too, like John, would not be worthy to untie his sandal, nonetheless, He calls us friends. He calls us brothers. Lord, we want to be your servants in 2022. We want to serve well, following in the footsteps of our King Jesus and to his glory, God. I pray that you would show us the places where we are running from you. If there is anywhere in our hearts, in our actions, in our lives, God, where we are not willing to submit to the rule of King Jesus, I pray that you would reveal those things to us now and in the coming week, God, and that we would repent to turn around. Lord, There is so much opportunity around us. And I know that you have wonderful things in store. That if we will walk in your ways and seek your face. But Lord, there are so many places where we will see you work. Please make us faithful. I pray that when we stand before you. One day and we give an accounting for what we did in 2022, you would look at it and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. All these things I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.